Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Friday Views brought to you by Yahoo Sports Canada. My name is Iman, and I am joined by oh, 2019 world champions right behind you. I am joined by Usad. Usad, what is up? That's going good, going good. And everybody, you guys know the rules already. Like, subscribe, share with your friends, tell everybody about it. Because the Raptors are on a win streak, so things are looking good over here. Last week, Katie and I kind of had a positive spin on a a sad-ish feel because the Raptors were struggling uh, against the Detroit Pistons and the Cleveland Cavaliers. We don't have to relive that. But this week, things are sunny. They are in California. They're in Arizona and they're winning games. What are your thoughts on this five game win streak? Uh, They're winning games. That's all that matters. Uh, It's been awesome. You know, like you're injured, you're down. Some games you have red, some games you don't. Gary's sick. Gary's not hitting his shots. Some days he's hot lava fire. The next day he can't hit the side of the barn um and through it all they found a way to win every single game uh whether it's with defense uh whether it's you know going out on a big run uh the denver game where you have a bench lineup that does everything so we've seen basically every player have a game uh, with many players having multiple games and for them to be able to do that in what was going to effectively be their last chance at making a push for the top six like going into this west coast road trip it was like well you're injured. You're going on the West Coast. You're playing some really hard teams, um, you know, and the Lakers. Uh, so <laughs> basically, uh, I was thinking they were going to maybe split split this whole week. Uh, and then they go and they win it out, which is kind of insane. Uh, so now they're back right there, um, basically tied with the Cavs for the sixth spot. And they have a shot at it. So I, I think it's good vibes all around. Like, there's really nothing to complain about. It really is. Um, and it's unfortunate because as part of that road trip, they started it off with Cleveland, and that's kind of the, the one game that you really felt like you needed to win. And in all honesty, after that loss, I kind of thought six seed is out of reach. But then this win streak happens, and we're right there, baby. It's tied. What are your thoughts? You you mentioned that you think the Raptors could potentially sneak into the top six. Now, Chicago's kind of floundering a little bit. They've got a lot of tough games in next week where they're facing these teams that they're competing with for a top six team uh, seat, I should say. What are your thoughts? Do the Raptors have a chance? Uh, they have as good a chance as anything. Really, I think the Raptors kind of control their fate when it comes to it because they get to play all the teams that are ahead of them. They get to play Philly. Um, they get to play the Bulls. They get to play the Cavs. Um, and they get to play Boston, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so all those games count for double, right? Because if you win, they lose, and you get to move up. So if the Raptors show up, they win out. They get a lot of those games at home as well, um, and they get a long homestand to close it. So effectively, if it's like, all right, you can get healthy, you know, you're hoping Fred Van Vliet with that giant knee pad can bring it up. Ken Birch 
looked like he was looking very healthy the last game against the Clippers, and he's starting to get back into rhythm. Precious Chua is looking great, um, and Scotty and Pascal are looking just like all world right now. And you're hoping that maybe OG Ananobi joins them in a bit, and maybe Gary Trent, once he gets over his sickness, can refine that shot that you know he went supernova against Phoenix, right? If you have those pieces, again, this team was competitive before the All-Star break, before they got hurt, they went on a big run. And there's no reason they can't do it again. They've beaten they've beaten Philly without, um, the, of course, it was before James Harden. But, you know, it's not like the Raptors don't have the personnel to cause them issues the same way the other way. So it's really just about they have the ability to be competitive with all these teams. The East is going to be an absolute train wreck when it comes to the playoffs. So this is your shot at kind of like gauging yourself like, okay, any of these teams could be your first round opponent. Cause even if the Raptors end up in seventh or sixth, they could get up to fifth uh, potentially, right? Fifth or fourth, maybe you have no control over who your opponent's going to be. Um, they really only have a shot at home court. So this is kind of a test going into it, right? Like these are the teams you're going to face. Can you compete and beat them um, when you actually need to win? So it's going to be, yeah. it's going to be a very, I think this next, the next two weeks are going to be very revealing as to, what like what this Raptors team can really do it's interesting because um I was speaking with uh Justin Rowan on the latest issues and dimes episode and he was mentioning that this is as much a test for the Cavs as the playoffs will be because they've never really been in a situation where they've had to fight for their lives this is the you know for for Darius Garland for a lot of Evan Mobley for Jared Allen this is sort of the first time that they're in the position that they're in, whereas the Raptor guys, they've won a championship. They've been there. They've done that. They have the experience. So this is really a a team that has that going into these final 13, 14 games, whatever it may be, which I think gives the Raptors an edge over some of these other teams. Zach Levine has never been in this situation before, right? Like there are a lot of other teams that just don't have the experience that the Raptors have. And when it comes to the Cavs, like one of the biggest worries is like, if they drop into the play-in, now suddenly it's like, well, if Jared Allen isn't fully healthy and you play the Nets and the Nets Nets beat you, now suddenly it's like, oh, we went from being like basically top five, top four seed almost all right. season to now suddenly, hey, we like one hot game from Trey Young or LaMelo Ball and we're out of there, right? So it's kind of scary to drop into the play-in, especially when they're not as experienced. So for them, like, again, all these teams are kind of facing the same thing the Bulls as well like they're dealing with their injuries Zach Levine's kind of monitoring his knee injury I think he has a knee issue he's been monitoring and they're trying to get Caruso back in the fold and I think Alonzo Ball I don't remember if he's back yet or not but they're, they're kind of still getting everyone back and just hoping to mark and carry them um, and they have a brutal schedule to end it I, I, I do not know if the Bulls can hold on to the top four top five seed if they do you know all the credit to them they've been a surprise team all season in what looks like a team that shouldn't be maybe as defensively sound or be as um, like seemed like it would have more holes. They've been very good um, throughout the season. So uh, these next two weeks are going to be hilarious. I think every single day you're going to see teams kind of flopping from like anywhere from the three to the seven seed at some point. So uh, it's, it's going to be uh, adventurous times ahead. The Eastern Conference is going to be a a mess. This is the best time for basketball. People kind of talk about the end of the season as a doldrums, just waiting for the playoffs. Not this year, not in the Eastern Conference. Uh, And with the Eastern Conference, like just to get into it, like I was thinking about first round series the other day and it's like, well, literally every combination of series is like, sounds like a headache. Like if you're Philly, like you're literally like, do you want to play Boston in the first round? If 
does anybody want to play Toronto in the first round where you're just dealing with like switchable defense the entire time and you know you're going to be facing some janky stuff from Nick Nurse and you won't be able to run anything? And then if you're at the bottom, I think like if you're the Heat, you're the one seed, you work that hard and what you might end up playing the Nets. Uh, or if you're the Bucks, Kyrie has been on a you're playing a healthy Kyrie and KD. Like I, I know you have the stats for Kyrie, but Kyrie's been going insane. Like I don't think if you're the Heat or the Nets, you want to deal uh, the Heat or the Bucks, you want to deal with that in the first round. No, and I don't think if you're, you know, maybe the Raptors have a, a better shot just because Kyrie Irving can't play um, uh, the game in Toronto and possibly can't play a game in Brooklyn by the time the play-in comes around. But if you're Cleveland, imagine having to go up against them or the Hawks. It's just going to be a mess. Or, you know, Chicago's kind of on a, on a tailspin. If they can't sort of right the ship, especially considering how difficult their stretch is, imagine having this, you know, Cinderella season and now you're in a play-in game against Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Yeah, and then, like, if you lose that play-in game, your first-round matchup is the Miami Heat. Uh, that would be that would be quite, like, I, I think it's it's basically gotten to a point where the eight teams that are in the race for the East, because the Nets have fallen so far down, is that the matchups are just going to be ridiculous. And, I yeah. like, I can't wait for the first round because I know that every combination of series is going to be a good series. Like, at, at like even if the thing is with Cleveland like usually young teams are usually the easy mark in the first round but yeah Cleveland has so much size like their young guys are so sized and they're so defensively sound and then they have Kevin Love playing great ball for them as a veteran um they're going to be trouble for every team because teams are going to just have trouble scoring down low and when the thing is in the playoffs the big the teams that do the best are the ones that take away the easy points mm. so if you've got a young team that just by their nature has two bigs and they're taking away like a Bucks calf series, like, is it really going to be that easy for Giannis to be going through Jared Allen and Evan Mobley every single possession down? I don't know. Like, no. it would be, it's going to be an interesting seven game series, I think, any combination. So, it's really going to come down to health for a lot of these teams are so banged up. Like, even the Cleveland Cavaliers, it's unfortunate that their season might just come down to they're just not healthy enough towards the end of the year. And also for, for the Nets, it's not a shoe in that they're a top eight team. They might be in that 9 10 spot. They're only a game up of the 10 seat. And so they may be in a do or die situation themselves. So, I mean, basketball is just going to be so much fun in March and April. And I'm not talking about March Madness, you guys. <laughs> Um, but someone who's going to have a, a giant role uh, is going to be Pascal Siakam. And really, he will be, I think, in my opinion, at least the determining factor on how well the Raptors do. Uh, he's been superb in the month of uh, March uh, here. And in the last five games, their five-game win streak, um, Pascal Siakam is averaging twenty-seven over 27 points on over 51% shooting. He's shooting 50% from deep as well. Uh, 82% from the line and getting eight boards and six assists on that. So he's just been ridiculous uh, these last five games over this Western Conference road trip. He's playing like an All-NBA player. We all keep saying it. Yeah, Re- really, he was playing like an All-NBA player going into the All-Star break as well. And then, you know, he had took him a couple games to get it, get his groove back. But like, even if you go with the whole March, all nine games, that's what his stats are. 27 points, eight rebounds, five assists. On 51% shooting. And his usage rate is at like 27%, which is as high as it's been since that 2019 series. So he's yeah. been on the ball a lot. He's been successful. Last night against, um, the other night against um, the Clippers, he basically took whatever matchup the game. Nick Batum, I'll take you in. I'm hitting a jumper on you. Luke Kennard, too yeah. small. Terrence Mann, too small. Oh, you're going to switch a big onto me? All right, I'm going to go right by 
Isaiah Hartenstein, I'm going to make this layup. Basically, Pascal Siakam has become this type of player where if you're going to guard him in single coverage, you better have an elite wing stopper with length. And if you don't have that guy, you better bring help because he's going to murder them. And that's what happened. And then what happened? The Clippers, after giving up 30 points and three quarters to Pascal Siakam, said, all right, send the trap every single time down. So they basically take Pascal out of the game. And then it goes to, you know, the second attacker on the Raptors is Scotty Barnes in a four-on-three situation. Which so it's been those two, like, those two have basically carried the team. Yeah. over this win stretch and you're kind of seeing the future and this kind of goes back to it's funny when you think back to the beginning of the season people were like oh well, got to trade, trade one right like a lot of uh, nba media people down south were also saying well i guess scotty barnes is spell the end of pascal siakam but the fact of the matter is having like big long wings who can basically play one through five positionally they can run point they can be the low man um in the paint, like you can never have too many. Yeah, have many can, and the fact that Pascal started taking threes now, especially catching two threes, and I love it. His mentality. He said in his post game the other night, he said he's like, I looked at, it and I was like, oh, I'm just not taking enough threes. I got to get five to six attempts. So he's like, now my goal is to get five to six attempts a game going through. And he's been a great catch and shoot three point uh, shooter all season. And with Scotty being on ball more, he's able to get more of these looks. And yeah. now you're seeing like in the corner, he's shooting like 46% for the season or something like that. Um, so it's, it's really exciting to see Pascal Siakam basically come back to like his 2019 form in, in a role sense, but being just like his toolbox is just like exploding with more than he's ever had. Got a bag. It's a kid's would say. Um, yeah, there it was such a, a a stretch in February. You kind of mentioned it, where he was kind of down. He he had you know a couple of eight point games, which is just not something that we see from Pascal Siakam. I don't think he hit twenty. Uh, points for like a, a five or six game stretch and he just wasn't in it and it was very clear that something was bothering him he was sick I think is is what has been reported but since then he's come right back like he hasn't had an extended stretch where he's played terribly at all um, except when we know there's a malady and you know Fred was hurt also and, and OG was hurt so it's not like you could really rest Pascal in that time the Raptors just did not have um they couldn't afford to do something like that but since then Pascal has just been phenomenal I think he has a case as an all-NBA guard I I the first team seems locked up if you have your your three MVP candidates depending on how um you sort of break up the center versus forward role is it three big men is that how they do it or just that's just all-star all NBA is um I think class. center and so two forwards do, yeah so they do the center and two forwards but one of the funky things is depending on how the voting breaks out is Pascal Siakam by position he's actually played a lot of center for the Raptors apparently uh this season mm. because I guess in the small ball lineups he's he ends up being classified as a center. You're saying if we're world. playing Pirtle in the game and you see forward center, you might be, it might be Pascal yep. Siakam. That it might, might be, be Pascal answer. Siakam. So uh, I think a lot of, uh, some people have mentioned that there's a possibility of Pascal making third team all NBA as weirdly enough as a center or, you know, sneaking into second team as what a center. Is, how does uh, that even work? You have Jokic, you have Embiid, you have Cat. Yeah, so you, there, there would be play with them, like if they can fit under the forward and center spots. Mm. Like maybe, like is Gobert having a better season than Pascal Siakam? I don't know. That yeah. I, I would question it. He's a great player, and undoubtedly a great player. But is he? Of course, that's kind of positional stuff. I do think Pascal though is having an All NBA season, and again, this last stretch is going to be great for him to kind of lay down the groundwork to sneak in there. 
Um, realistically, I think the biggest thing for Pascal is going to be whatever happens in the playoffs is when he's fine, like him being fully healthy and him being able to like actually control his destiny and be able to play the way that he knows he can play. There's no reason why he can't have a great playoff performance, especially with the team around them if they're healthy. So that's when I think the switch is going to flip for Pascal Siakam um, in the general media. But he's been incredible, and there's really yeah. nothing more to say. I mean, I agree with you. I think, you know, um, All-NBA is, of course, a, a regular season award, and we've seen it with the conversation around Pascal Siakam this season. You've mentioned it already at the top of the season. We were hearing, well, you got Scotty, so that means the Raptors are moving off of Pascal Siakam, which was ludicrous. But also – the conversation about Pascal Siakam's game seems to be very slow early on in the season. And there's this belief that, oh, well, we've seen him do it before, but can he do it in the playoffs? Yeah, he won a championship. What are you guys talking about? But um, but I think that's where his name needs to be solidified. In order for the larger conversation on Pascal Siakam to actually catch up to his play right now, he's going to need to do it on the biggest stage. And I think a large part of it is going to be first can the Raptors find themselves in the top six um, or can they for one, make the playoffs because there's no guarantee they even make the playoffs. If they're in a play in scenario, anything can happen. We've seen both the Hornets and the uh, uh, Hawks already beat the Raptors by like 30 points each. So we've seen that. So for one, I think it's making the playoffs um, and, and two, what he does in the playoffs, that's really going to change the larger narrative with him. Um, and while the, the playoffs won't matter for the voting, but like, you know that so it'll matter. It's a regular season. Forward, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. That's... Forward, like Jason Tatum, he, he's had some great playoff performances. Mm-hmm. And because of those big performances, like even if Jason Tatum is having a bad first half of the season, he's in the all-star consideration, right? Yeah. Because like there is a baseline of people like, oh, it's, it's a prove it thing, right? Like if you see, if you proved it in the playoffs, then it kind of like, it'll, it, people can overlook whatever regular season you're having. And Jason Tatum, He's going to be all NBA as well. He's been incredible since the all-star break. So there's not complaints there. But again, for Pascal Siakam, I think there's still that little bit of stink that still remains from that bubble run, which for anybody who knows, it's like very easy to understand why Pascal wasn't good in that. I don't think it has anything to do with him as a player and more just very difficult circumstances. So this playoff run, I think, is going to be really important. I think that's something to look forward to for Pascal Siakam. Yeah. Uh, no, I completely agree. And that, that's exactly how I was trying to frame it. Um, so so we think that he could possibly be all NBA. I'm going to say I want him to be, but I, I, I agree with you. It doesn't, I don't think that that necessarily changes the narrative. I think what's going to happen is good playoffs and moving forward, good things. Um, speaking of good things um, and a good run, Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam's, who, can I just say their chemistry on the court is like, it's been great since like early on. I feel like people were wondering how the two would fit together more than anything, um, but they just play off of each other so well. Scotty Barnes, I really want to focus in on the rookie of the year race because that seems to be what everyone is talking about. Uh, you can't go five minutes without hearing a Raptors fan and a Cavs fan somewhere along the way arguing about who should be rookie of the year. And it does seem like Cade Cunningham has really with his stellar play in March snuck his way right into the top two sometimes depending on whose ballot you're talking about um but most often top three what are your thoughts on the rookie of the year race and and where would you position scotty barnes so i think i think kate cunningham's been great he's been awesome especially in the second half season he's been really good uh my only thing is i think at the end of the day it's going to come down to it's like well you've got two other rookies who are also playing phenomenal basketball in evan mobley and scotty barnes and they're doing it on 
Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Winning teams, like they're actually, and it's not just that they're on a winning team, but they're directly contributing to those teams winning, right? Like the Raptors don't win games without Scotty Barnes the same way that the Cavs don't win games without Evan Mobley because they're big parts of what they do. Like just looking at Scotty Barnes, like over, like since the All-Star break, since he's come back from that Rising Stars performance where he couldn't Mm -hmm. do anything, the kid is averaging 37 minutes a game, Mm -hmm. right? In the absence of OG Ananobi, the absence of Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent being in and out. He's averaging 37 minutes a game. Yeah. Or 19 points a game, eight rebounds, three assists, on 56% shooting. That's crazy. So he's been unreal. He's basically, he's been playing point. He's been playing center. He's been doing everything. And then he's been guarding on the perimeter, whoever they throw him on, what sometimes a good result, sometimes a bad result, but he's yeah. been energy expending and been like stamping his name on every single game, every single win, almost every single one of them. You can look and be like, oh, Scotty stretch. Oh, this is a stretch that Scotty basically put this game away. Last night, Against the Cl- uh, against the Clippers, what does Scotty do? He dunks all over them. Against the Lakers, Scotty starts the game off just six straight buckets in the, right at the rim, right, just like strolling in there. So it's I think for me it's pretty clear it's one and two, Scotty and Mobley, and it'll it's going to be tough. I don't know how the votes are going to lay out. Me personally, it's a fifty fifty. I, I would toss a coin because like again, Evan Mobley is great. Like yeah, he's not going to create his own offense because he's a big guy that's just not his role but like him being as elite as he is defensively and i think uh, people don't give it credit in the same way because like oh scotty guards all the positions and like he does at a good level and he has some weaknesses on the perimeter stuff but he's able to do all the different things evan mobley guards in a prototype big role but he can switch out to the perimeter guard guards and stuff like that but his comes from a prototype of the big while scotty's more of a prototype one through five just yeah. like throw a guy on him, right? Wing type defender. And I think people don't give enough credit to how hard it is as a big guy. Like big guys take forever to learn how NBA defenses. So for Evan Mobley to basically be like an all NBA level type defender yeah. as a big in his rookie season, that's a big deal. And I know that Raptor fans like to kind of disparage it, but it is a really massive thing. And Evan Mobley has been awesome. And you know what? Scotty's got another, ch- another chance against the Cavs to kind of put a stamp on things. He has a he has a big performance. He keeps closing out the way he has. OG's out for a little bit um, with his finger. We're unsure. So there's the opportunity there for Scotty to kind of wrestle and take a hold of it. I think when it comes down to it, it'll just matter again with the voters. How many voters are going to, you know, give Scotty credit for basically creating a lot of his own offense and being like this like five tool player? And I think the reason Scotty might not get as many votes 
is a function of the Raptors developing him. The Raptors have thrown him in so many different modes. If the Raptors wanted, they could make Scotty basically do the things he's best at every single game. He could average like 20, 22 points, be super efficient and not be expanding his game, but they've challenged him, shoot the three ball. They've challenged him, be the point guard, run the team. They've challenged him, be the big man. Uh, so they have, and they've challenged him defensively instead of like Scotty's best, is best at defense when he can see the defense in front of him. So when he's starting at the bottom in one of the big man roles, but they've thrown him on the perimeter as many times as he wants. And sometimes he gets beat. Sometimes like he's playing every single different, different role on defense. And some of them he's good at, some of them he's not so good at, but the Raptors have taken a path of developing him as an all around player. So his numbers in his rookie season might not be as good as they possibly could have been if he was playing an optimized role, which Evan Mobley, I do feel, is playing in his optimal role. Like, they're not asking him to do things outside of what his comfort level would be for development. So that, I think, is the core argument that will be between the two. But again, it's going to be very close. I don't, I have, I have no idea how it's going to end up. I agree. I keep coming back to just, it doesn't work without Evan Mobley. Like, the idea that you're starting Laurie Markkinen, uh, Jared Allen and Evan Mobley together you're starting three guys that essentially are seven foot just behemoth men and and Laurie Markkinen not a particularly good defender doesn't work without Evan Mobley even just starting Jared Allen and Evan Mobley together and and a large part of that is Jared Allen they're kind of a duo that fit so like symbiotically together and it's because of the utility knife that Evan Mobley is but Scotty Barnes is just great <laughs> I, I think I would honestly it's the bias in me. I'm not going to have an unbiased opinion about this, but just to, to, to give Kate some love here and also Jalen Green, who's really stepped it up lately. The Pistons somehow are 500 since the All-Star break, which feels to say. So it's not just that they're beating up on the Toronto Raptors. They're 500. Well, <laughs> and <laughs> it does help. It does help. That is one of their wins. Um, but they're 500 since the All-Star break. And this is a team that, you know, unfortunately for the Raptors, you sort of get their second round pick, hoping that they'd be the worst team in the league. But Cade Cunningham and Dwayne Casey are not letting that happen there. Um, so so Cade is Cade is special. This entire rookie class is special. We're not even getting into the Wagners and the Giddies and everybody else that's just made this this like I, the the craziest thing about this this class to me is for one, yes, I think Evan Mobley, Cade Cunningham, um, and uh, Scotty Barnes would be the rookie of the year in any of <laughs> any class that they would have been drafted in. Like, think about how crazy it was. We were like, Malcolm Brogdon won rookie of the year as like a 50-year-old man. <laughs> like, there was debates about, you know, whether LaMelo should win rookie of the year, even at not playing however many games he didn't play and all of that other stuff. Like, these debates would not have existed. And credit and to, to Anthony and Edwards. One of the credits, like, as well. in previous years, like, there haven't been multiple rookies and there haven't no. even been multiple healthy rookies. Like, the best rookies have been injured a lot of these past few seasons, right? Whether it be Zion, um, and so you have Jaw, right? But Zion's injured. Yeah. Whether, like, every single class this year, they've all been healthy. They've all been like playing, NBA. like, a ton when, of games. Yeah. It's 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 been a very special class and honestly it's kind of scary because like these guys are all in the eastern conference and they're going to be there for the next seven years so kate scotty and uh evan at the minimum and then mm -hmm. who knows jalen suggs might put it together as well you know there's Wagner's doing well he's, he's yeah. leading the, the, the rookies in, in points right now i'm i'm not sure i think it might be kate um but but he's definitely right up there as well it's gonna be really fun like it's just it's so ridiculous. I hope that do okay. My question to you here: Do you think record is going to play a part at all? If the Raptors manage to jump the Cavs 
Is it more, well, that's the Raptors and maybe they were just healthier than the Cavs this season. Um, or do you think that that actually will come to play when talking about rookie of the year? I think as it comes down the stretch, I think when it comes to the final final day, if like the Cavs and Raptors record is pretty close, yeah. I don't think it'll matter as much because I think the Cavs get more credit because they're just less expected of them, right? They're less, they're, they're the younger team. Yeah. Um, so there'll be more credit given to Evan Mobley there. Might be rightfully so, to be honest. I don't think anybody expected much from the Cavs. But if it's like the Raptors have surged up to like fourth or fifth, and the Cavs have somehow cratered down to like seven or eight. Uh, you know, I don't think they get to eight, but like they'll crater like seven and a distant seven. They can get to eight if they lose the play. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. No. If they lose the play and they get to eight, right? Yeah. No. But like record wise for the regular season, they would still be yeah. probably seven, right? So I think that maybe, but again, it's really just going to come down to hey, if Scotty's playing like he's been playing the last, this last couple of weeks where he's been hyper aggressive and just been going to get his own, I think their rookie of the year race is still open and it's for the taking. Neck and neck. If he can close it out strong here, I think I think he can still take it. But Evan Mobley has a lot of a lot of like a lot of ground ahead of him just because of what he's done throughout this whole season up to this point. So we talked a lot about Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes, and and last week with Katie, like I said, coming off of losses to the Pistons and and the Magic wasn't great time. So I was trying to find some positivity, and we went through the development game because it is a development season. Uh, and I got her to tell me what each, you know, rotational Raptor should work on next season or what she wanted to see them develop next season. But right now, things are great. It's a positive day. It's a positive vibe. So I wanted to twist this question and ask you, what are some positives you've already seen from guys this season? Some things that maybe are a surprise to you, some things that they developed over the year. Uh, so I'm gonna go rapid fire and I'm just gonna start listing off some Raptors. And we're gonna start with our rookie of the year, Scotty Barnes. What is a uh, development in his game that's been a pleasant surprise to you? Uh, his post game has just like exploded where like he went from starting the season, like just like kind of playing like this face up guard. Sometimes he would kind of come off DHO and attack the basket, right? But now he's just like getting face, getting downhill, attacking, getting into the post, three, two bumps, and he's going, spinning over either shoulder, finishing. And it's it's just, I think with Scotty, it's not even, I think every day is like a positive development, but just to be able to see him take on so many roles so quickly, yeah, it's been incredible. I didn't think that he'd be able to be this much of a five-tool player where it's like, he literally can be any any role on, on the team. Starting point guard uh, one day, starting center yeah. the next. Yeah, so like it's, it's, there's nothing but positive there. His touch around the basket so much better than I thought it would be. And it's improved. Like he's gotten more downhill. He's gotten more focused. And especially these last like couple of weeks, he's kind of realized like, Oh, I am, I, I should be getting my offense and him learning to kind of balance um, the team game versus when he's the yeah, option he's to gone. score. Yeah. It's been incredible. Like him leading the bench units has been I like, think. that's been probably my favorite development of the season is like, okay, he, he knows how he can get his own when needed. Yeah, that's been my fave as well. Um, all right, so next up, Gary Trent Jr. Gary Trent Jr., positive development. Well, the defense is obvious, right? Like, he's not, not that he's the best defender still, but, like, he's become at least not an active negative, right? And he has, like, his fast hands. Like, he disrupts a lot of, a lot of, a lot of people's handles, and he gets under people's skin. Like, just yeah. to him being that much of a disruptor on defense for good and bad sometimes, but it's good to have that guy. And, that's been one positive. And the other positive has just been 
him being able to fit his offense into the team concept. Mm -hmm. So last season, I think when he first joined, it was kind of like, oh, Gary's hitting shots. Gary's just going to keep shooting shots, right? And it felt like it was a separate offense from the team. To be fair, he was playing with a team that was very much tanking, and he was given the the opportunity to do that, yes. Yeah. Um, But this season, that that was, I think early in the season, it was kind of a question mark. It's like, okay, how do we kind of fit in his, like, pump fake one dribble into a mid-range? And then the way he's kind of developed in, you know, relocating off ball, making sure that he's in the right spots, and then basically... um, basically able to find his offense within within the team concept has been incredible. And just the fact that he's been such a lightning rod has been a great positive development. The fact that he's been able to fit his game in seamlessly. And because of the way he's fitted in, that's why when Gary's hot, the team can just easily get him looks over and over and over again because there's multiple ways to get Gary open and he knows how to use the team and use his teammates to do that. And recently, he's also started to learn how to use his gravity to get shots for other people. Oh my gosh. Uh, maybe, maybe <laughs> it was just because he was sick. But hey, that Clippers game, he passed, he oh, drew he a defender. Finding, and passed, he, he was finding people quite often. <laughs> he um, found two open threes, so good yeah. for Gary. Uh, no, that's funny. He was leading the league in deflections for a good chunk of the season. I mean, you're you're exactly right. Uh, next up, a guy we actually haven't seen quite uh, much of uh, recently is OG Ananobi. Um, some some positives from him. I hope we can get him back because he, he matters so much to this team. Oh, I think the, the biggest positive is that kind of what he showed early in the season was that he could, like, once he got going and he kind of found a shot again, he was legitimately carrying the team. Yeah. Like, he had a couple, like, iffy games to start, which was all the Raptors as they're trying to find their rotation and they were playing Goran Dragic for who knows why. Um, but once they kind of settled in, like, OG was playing great until he hurt his finger. And the three-point shot might be down this season, which is, is, is what it is. Like, you live with it. But I think OG's role as being basically, like, he's the best defender on the team. I think Fred, Fred is probably a, Fred is a guard, so it's a little bit different. But you know when OG's missing because he just ices every single hole. There's, like, until we got Thad Young, there was no player that does all the different things that OG kind of does. And Thad Young is, like, very much an old player, right? Like, he's only, like, 20% of what maybe OG does. but yeah, OG Ananobi, the fact that he was basically able to grow his game. Yeah. Like you saw him doing more stuff off the dribble. You're seeing him now take these fadeaways, take these mid-range shots, do some creation. And his post game has been unreal. Like, I think the one thing that we were worried about was, okay, OG, you're taking all these possessions. Like his true shooting is going to come down. And it has mostly because of the jump shots. But it's mostly been him trying to expand his game. Like his core game still hyper efficient. He gets to the bucket whenever he wants and he puts it in the hole. And we've seen him have really big moments this season yeah. in leadership. So the biggest thing with OG is being able to kind of take a leadership role on the team. Um, and he's been, he's, that's been a positive development throughout. And I, I, I'm, I feel bad that he's been hurt because it's been dumb injuries. But if we had OG fully healthy with the squad, I think it would be scary, scary times. Scary yep. times. And and uh, even to, to the three-point shot, I know, like, th- by numbers, it's been down. But tell me if I'm wrong, but it feels like he goes through stretches where, like, when he's healthy, it's lights out. It's, like, OG 40-plus percent. Uh, and then he goes through, like, really cold stretches where he just can't hit a shot. Um, and that's kind of – and you can kind of chalk that up to, like, oh, clearly his finger's bothering him or there's some other nagging injury there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so who is next on my rapid fire board? Uh, Pascal Siakam. <laughs> what can we say? We already talked about Pascal so much. <laughs> Basically, he's just a better version. He's the best version of himself. I think, again, with him, it's just 
now before where he in 2019 he was kind of like every single possession down he was like oh can i do this and then you just do something yeah now it's like he knows what he's doing yep. he knows exactly what he's looking for he knows exactly how to manipulate the defense he knows exactly who's going to be open he understands his role as a playmaker he's basically just matured as a player yeah. and like he's a legitimate leader of the team and there's really no question about about his role and how good he is and the sky's the limit for him right it's so oh, fluid yeah. and I, I don't think i would have ever called him a, a fluid player like it looked very herky-jerky he looked like he was in his head he looked like he would question himself in certain moments and now he just yeah. the confidence with which he plays yeah. is from before where you kind of like have an idea and he's like all right let me see and then i'll just kind of react to it on the go and now it's like no i know exactly what i'm doing i'm gonna set up my defender this way go back the other way and i know i'm gonna be open here i'm gonna get the shot off and it's been it's just been like you're watching like you're basically watching him come into his own as a professional and as like yeah. a number one option and it's been fantastic. That's so just my favorite development. Uh, Fred Van Vliet, another so much fun to watch. Uh, the best development that he basically became Kyle Lowry. Um, <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> well, I think I think we saw. I think my the future for Fred in this league. I think we saw it in that first round bubble series against the Nets. Of course, it was like some ghost Nets team that had a bunch of G leaguers they were playing because they had a bunch of injuries. But we saw in that series, Fred was just like high volume three-point shooter off the high pick and roll taking deep threes being very aggressive and he hit a ton of threes and i was like hey if he's healthy enough he should be able to do this long term like in a in a bigger role and that's what he's basically done this season and we saw some of it last season before covid and for him to basically come out and say hey i'm going to be the best defender i'm going to play the most minutes and i'm going to lead this team he he is undoubtedly the leader of the team and he took his game up a level with his three ball and being able to like the mid-range shot has been fantastic for him so him just being able to take that next step and literally become the leader of the team after Kyle Lowry left is like, that's, I think the only thing that matters when it comes to Fred. And now he's like solidified as being like, you know, a top point guard in this league. Which is crazy to say. Now, some of the young guys that uh, I skipped over here, um, Precious Achua, my, my fave. <laughs> um, can't say enough good things about him. We didn't even talk about him at all in today's episode. Uh, give me some, some positive development from, from Achua. Presh Curry, as people call him on Twitter now. Hey, Precious Achua went from like making me question if the guy had ever picked up a basketball some on like at the start of the season with some of the plays he was making to like now it's like is he the best player on 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 the floor right now? Like he's making much more sound decisions. He's attacking the basket well. He's finishing at the basket a bit better now. Yeah. Um, he's just making better decisions of what shots to take and when to take them, and he's just become a knockdown three point shooter, which is wow. Um, and I think the the biggest development in Precious's game has just been unlocking him as a defender, mm. um, one through five. So he's not just a big guy defender. It's like, oh, you can throw him on anybody, and he can guard them. And he his foot speed is incredible. So just seeing Precious kind of like learn the game of basketball throughout the season and yeah. pick his spot, that's probably been the best development there because he, he like he is the most. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market athletic player on the floor every time he steps out i think he's like a top three most athletic player in the league 
yeah. just like given his size, his strength, and his speed, he's so fast. It, the court looks too small for him most of the time. So um, it, it's it's going to be a fun fun to see him grow in the next couple of years. I mean, it's he's like I I can't even his three point shooting. It's wild to me because it's not he doesn't even hit rim. I've said this a few times. It's like it's always money it's something that you can bank on like i've just been killing that max kellerman you know stefan gadala who do i want taking the last shot i want to chew he has been insane what are his numbers here at post um post uh all-star break he's all-star like a break five percent 44.7 percent from beep that's insane <laughs> It's it's been it's been absurd and it's like that's kind of like if you get if you can get that from Precious like wow like you've now unlocked something in all those lineups um, so like sky's the limit for this team when these guys are like growing like this and it's it's kind of insane that every single player is kind of growing in every single direction where it's like oh no these players can't just do one thing they can do all the things so Which, we're just gonna I mean like that's kind of, like it, it's so fun to watch this team grow because yes there are going to be lots of hiccups we're going to see the growing pains there are going to be days where you're like what what is even happening and that's still going to happen with guys like precious he's not going to shoot 45 percent um forever <laughs> or maybe well i don't know um but one of my favorite things is like watching this team it's it's beside Ujiri building these you know defensive-minded players for one tall long switchy and just uh, can handle the ball, can play make a little bit and believing I can teach these guys how to shoot. And when that happens, the way that it can unlock everything on the offensive end, because on the defensive end, we see what they can be. And it will be very scary once it all clicks when everybody's healthy. I mean, it's unfortunate that OG and, and Fred have kind of been in and out of the lineup. Cause like you mentioned, they're probably the two best defenders on the team. Um, but what it can be offensively when everyone is clicking and going and you can play, Fred off ball and he is your best three-point shooter and like how that unlocks him this team just makes me excited I get giddy talking about them um thank you everyone for joining us for another episode of Friday Views I think that wraps it up we left it on such a positive note because the vibes are good <laughs> thank you for joining me Asad and good night everybody